When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. This is Car Stuff. I'm Ben Bolin. I'm Scott Benjamin. And Scott, today we have a big event in our show, don't we? A huge event. We're not the only ones podcasting today, Scott. Uh, we have a very special guest, ladies and gentlemen, How Stuff Works own Christian Sager. Now, uh, Christian, will you say hello to everybody? Hey, everybody. Hey, Ben. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me on the show. Of yeah, course. Thanks for coming. Now, it's always a little bit awkward when, when we introduce because you do so many things on the website. Scott, this guy uh, writes and hosts uh, Brain Stuff. He does our show, What the Stuff, both of which are available on YouTube. Hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> and uh, you have also worked on numerous blogs, and, and mm-hmm. you and I co-write pretty closely. Yeah, we work a lot together. Mm-hmm. And I was originally hired to uh, be on Stuff of Genius and right. hosted that for about a year and mm-hmm. wrote, for, wrote for the site. Yeah, mm-hmm. And uh, since day one, we had been talking, uh, the three of us had been talking about you know, doing something with car stuff because, uh, Christian, you also have a, have a little bit of an enthusiasm for certain types of cars, right? I do, yeah, but I think it's that kind of enthusiasm that you get in your mid thirties when you feel like you need to get like a fast car to feel like a man again. And, and so, yeah, that, that, that's, that's where I'm coming from. That's the uh, genesis of this whole podcast episode, really? <laughs> oh, okay. Because, oh my gosh. Because guys, this was, uh, listeners, this this is Christian's topic that uh, you know you came to us with this yeah. and we we were so on board because um you know sometimes we have the moment where we know it's a really good episode if we hear the suggestion and we say wait have we not covered that and this is true we have not covered this one specifically all right so I think yeah uh, you know kind of indirectly we've covered it right you we have touched. I went back and looked mm-hmm. you talked about it a little bit in the muscle cars episode oh I think That's you have true. to talk about yeah, it in muscle yeah. cars because there's a strict definition of muscle car, pony car, luxury car, sports car. It goes along with all this and uh, that's going to come up today. Whoa, whoa, hold up. What did you what did you say cuz you said one thing that caught my ear. Did you say pony cars? Pony cars, that's right. And that was Christian's idea. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is Christian's idea, pony cars and to start this off, well, we have to ask ourselves uh 
where they come from, right? Yeah. So pony cars are really fascinating to me. I first really became familiar with them through popular culture by just, I'm a big fan of 1970s film, cinema, and television, and pony mm-hmm. cars were everywhere in the early 70s because, well, we'll talk about that later too, but <laughs> there's a little bit of a partnership between Hollywood and and uh, the manufacturers. But yeah, uh, the pony car, the first pony car was a Ford Mustang, so that's where the terminology comes from because it had a literal pony on the logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so any of the imitators basically were referred to as pony cars afterwards. Exactly right, and that all came about with the... Uh, the change, I guess, of the Ford Thunderbird, mm-hmm. uh, because the Thunderbird was Ford's halo car back in, what, 1955? Right. There when yeah, it first the came out. The two-seater. Yeah, the two-seat, but it was called a personal luxury car at that time. Mm-hmm. And then by 1958, uh, the Thunderbird had kind of grown to this larger four-seat vehicle that was no longer, again, like that halo car that they wanted. And, mm-hmm. and just so we can clear this up, what a halo car really means to a manufacturer they understand that not everybody's going to be able to afford the halo car or not. They're going to want right. to be able to afford the halo car. Um, so they will, you know, it'll bring people into the dealerships, into the showrooms to get them to, uh, you know, to walk in and at least take a look at it and then maybe determine if it's for them or not for them. And the idea is that maybe that customer will then be swayed to purchase a, a mm-hmm. slightly mm-hmm. lesser vehicle. And I don't like saying lesser, but it's slightly lesser. Well, for a topical comparison, uh, you know, walk into the cell phone store because you want the iPhone 6. Oh, it's out of my price range. you up to mm-hmm. a 6 plus. Uh-huh. This will totally date this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks it a lot. Will. And so here's the other bit of, uh, of, of competition that they had going for them. Uh, the Chevy Corvair had come out in 1960. Mm-hmm. And the Corvair was, it was very popular. Of course, it was, uh, it was kind of an economy car when it first came out. Sure. But later, they sold what was called the Monza model. And this was a lot more plush. It had a sportier feel to it, sportier look to it. Um, you know, a lot of options that you could add on to this thing, right? So um, it, was a, it was a much better model than the original economy car that they introduced. Uh, so Ford needed to do something to keep up in that segment, even though, uh, you know, that segment really wasn't quite a segment yet. They just had to compete with that vehicle because Chevy was selling a bunch of them and Ford is losing sales. Make no mistake, uh, Ford is in... Maybe not quite a cutthroat situation, but they see the writing on the wall. This could be a problem. So one thing that we should also point out is, I don't know if we said the specific year, it's the 1964 Mustang. Right, that was the first one, Mm -hmm. and it was introduced at the New York World's Fair that year. Mm -hmm. And so this is, I'm curious about, like, it sounds like we're getting different backstories, Scott. So I heard that the 1964 Ford Mustang was introduced at the New York World's Fair because Ford didn't like the competition from European sports cars. Mm. And so they were trying to basically dilute the market by putting out a car that was like a European sports car, but cheaper and more economical. Ah, see, that fits with, you know, GIs coming back from the war who had seen these smaller sports cars. We've talked about that history mm-hmm. in the past many yeah, times, yeah, that yeah. they love these little sports cars the that they can buy over e there. Type. Exactly right. Cars like that, MG or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also this trend from American manufacturers. And I should say this, that, you know, the uh, I think I started to mention the bucket seats, um, right, yeah. compact cars with, with floor-mounted shifters, and some that even had, you know, unheard of at the time, center consoles. Huh. <laughs> uh, so, you know, things like that are happening because the bucket seats allow that now, yeah. right? And uh, so, you know, Ford, Chrysler, Plymouth, Dodge, American Motors, uh, Studebaker even, they're all building these sporty bucket seat compact cars, and they all have six-cylinder engines with an option to go up to an eight-cylinder. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this, so this Mustang is fitting perfectly right in there. They have to compete in that segment. And the European angle, I completely understand. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So like what I had read was that Lee Iacocca and I don't know mm-hmm. if it's Donald Fry or Frey, but the, basically they hatched this idea. Um, and basically it was just, let's put a back seat in a sports car yes. and, and, and put it on the show floor and, and, you know, hopefully dilute the market enough that the Europeans aren't making as much money as yeah. we are. But then like, what's interesting is that these things like sold way more than they intended to. They sold like a million in the first 18 months of production. Yeah. The original sales forecast had said, all right, we'll sell a little bit less than a hundred thousand units in the first year. Three months after they start selling these, they've surpassed that number. Can I tell you how quickly they sold them? Yeah, please. The, the first day that it was on the market. Now, the first day of the 64 Mustang uh, was April 17th, 1964. Mm-hmm. They sold 22,000 Mustangs on that first day. Wow. 22,000 yeah. out of the projected 100,000 for the entire year. So yeah. right away, they said, we got to get these things cranking out I of was the factory. Say, that's a fifth of their inventory. <laughs> exactly right. So in the end, you know, after, after, uh, after the end of that first year, um, I think it was one year. You mentioned an 18 month, uh, 18 month cycle. Yeah, is that right? yeah, a little bit out. So yeah, so it would be a year and six months. Okay, ago. so a million after that time. Uh, the first year, you know, they had projected a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. They had sold six hundred and eighteen thousand eight hundred and twelve Mustangs that very first year. Wow. So then they made a, a a little less than half a million of that number in the next six months. Here's here's something that might interest you guys. I know that we're all. We're all film fans here, including our super producer, Noel, on the ones and twos, who I always want to give a shout out to. Uh, in 1964, must, uh, this Mustang appeared in a little, little film called Goldfinger. Oh, is that featuring right? Featuring James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Which I think had a huge effect on sales. Now sure. it wasn't, now it wasn't a Bond car. It was not a Bond yeah, car. It was, was just in the film. Doesn't a Mustang does not strike me as a Bond? No, car. not at all. Yeah, He's no, Aston no. Martin all the way yeah, at, right. at that yeah. point, right? So yeah. yeah, so he was a. This was a, um, a secondary role, right? Mm. It was like but, a uh, villain's car or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, it's like a feature car. That's yeah, interesting. Car. So when we talk about Bullet later, I want to yeah, come yeah. back to that because that's really interesting. Very good. So let's talk about some of the characteristics of of you know the Mustang and and the standards that it set for this class of vehicles. Okay. You want to do that? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, it's kind of a, a basic outline of what the car had to have. Um, it had to be stylish. Mm-hmm. It had to have kind of a long hood and a short deck, you know, the back end. Sure. And it had to have open mouth styling. All this is going to be important later because I'm going to describe a car to you that's going to surprise you <laughs> when I mention it. All right. So, uh, this open mouth styling had to have an affordable base price, which at the time, was considered to be under twenty five hundred dollars, and that was uh, in oh. 1965. Can you imagine. Uh, you yeah. know what that is now? All right, let's have the inflation calculator. Just under $19,000 in, in 2014. That is almost comparable with what they're selling for now, I, I think, right? I think it's pretty darn close. It's yeah. pretty close. I really do, but that's still not the price of the average sedan, as we've talked about yeah. many times, right. which is like 32300 something. Oh, yeah. yeah. When you go to rent one of these things, it is not considered the economy vehicle. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> true, yeah. Oh, well, you know, you're getting the SS models, the RS models, right. the, yeah. the upsell, right? They now. definitely try to upgrade with these. Yeah, that's the appeal. And we've got to, um, everybody remember that we mentioned that because we're going to get back to renting those later on oh, in the yeah. show. Absolutely. And you know what? There's a few more characteristics that I think we should talk about because, sure. um, you know, they're important for the overall picture of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to have what they call off the shelf mass production components. So, you know, they can just crank these things out one after the other. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is, you know, part of this is so that the car owner has the ability to fix and or modify 
the car themselves. Yeah, like the the modifications are hugely important, and mm-hmm. especially for them to be able to sell premium models uh, as well. Exactly right, and the the those options are very lucrative for the company. Oh and yeah, that's the whole point behind it. Is like, well, sure, I'll take that, but uh, it's only five hundred dollars more to upgrade to the V eight. Why not? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, V six or V eight engine, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, how would you feel in the dealership when they say, well, you know? We could get a V6. I guess we could order a V6 for you, and you could wait a few weeks. We have this V8 over here. I mean, it's your choice. And I need to say something, though, <laughs> about the V8s, because they had, you know, back then, you got to remember the time. They had what they called ordinary V8s, and right. then they had kind of the the high-performance V8s. Mm-hmm. And the high-performance V8s would push these cars, that were, even though they were pony car bodies and pony car options to begin with, if, if you bought the bigger version... It kind of pushed it into the um, the muscle car range, right? Yeah, and so that's interesting too. Is that like uh, there's this muscle cars and pony cars aren't mutually exclusive. There's sort of an overlap, like a Venn diagram of the two. Correct. Yeah, exactly mm-hmm. right. And there's a, uh, just a couple more things, and then I'll be done. I promise. Yeah. And I'll just list these quickly. Yeah. yeah uh, rear wheel drive have to be rear wheel mm-hmm. drive. Yep. No have exceptions. To, have to have two doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, have to have, um, well, let's see, like that open mouth. I think I mentioned that already, didn't I? Yeah. Open mouth, uh, that very wide open front end, so lots of air can get through there. Uh, it's just a design characteristic that we've, we've come to expect out of these things. Um, also, most of them have V6 power. I mean, I know we just mentioned the V8 thing, but right. most of them, the standard option or the standard equipment would be the V6. And then you could upgrade from there, and that was all part of the uh, the auto manufacturer's way to uh, to get money. Because I mean, we go in and then you start upping the ante a little bit. Sure, like, I love that uh, you know that Hurst shifter. Why don't you put that in as well? And that's another seventy five dollars at the time or whatever all it was. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, it adds up. And then there, they even had like all, it, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but they had models for each of these too. You know, the SS, the RT, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. GT for the Mustang. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, Christian, you raised the point. I, I think we were talking about off air another very important part of the definition of pony cars. Yeah, they have to be American made. So mm-hmm. you could have all of these specs made on a European car, but mm-hmm. by the cultural standards by which we measure pony cars right, yeah. in in the good old US of A, you, you know, it wouldn't count. No. That's a classic pony car though. Yeah. Now, I wonder now we'll we'll talk about this. This is maybe hinting towards what I'm getting. Well, so, <laughs> I got uh, I got one we're, for we're you. Close to it. Yeah. So let's let's look at the 2015 Mustang model, just briefly. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it qualify as a pony car? It's a $23,000 car. Mm-hmm. It has between 310 and 435 horsepower. There's several equipable models. It has all of those aesthetic uh, qualifications that we mentioned, two-door, mm-hmm. four seats, long hood, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has what's called a line lock, and I was unfamiliar with this until... Uh, I was doing the research for this episode. Have you heard of these before? I I have. I don't. You know what line lock is? I've read, I've read about them. I've never used one. Okay. So this is what I read. It applies to the front brakes, but not your rear brakes. So you can do burnouts <laughs> to warm up the rear tires for the maximum amount of traction for starting. Uh, this is essential. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. know why you'll buy a car without that now. <laughs> yeah. Because we were uh, we were at that that uh, car show actually earlier, and we saw people trying to really punch it but they were on cold tires because they had been sitting there for a while there were a couple guys who knew what they were doing who were burning out just a bit yeah but um well look at drag racing it's all that's what it's about right you heat up the tires you create a surface for the rubber to grab onto which is the hot rubber that you just laid on the track so that's kind of the idea 
I mean, I, I understand this whole cold tires thing and line lock. That's a that's a cool way to do it. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, and here cool. we are, start accelerating slowly from our parking spaces like a bunch of rooms. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've told you many times, I never get out of second gear on the way home. It's like, it's like, oh, that's Atlanta. It's like right. sixteen yeah. miles away, and I drive first and second gear the whole way. Yeah, so frustrating. But so is it? Yeah. So is it a muscle? Is it tw- I mean, is it a pony car? Mustang, yeah, a pony car. You know, absolutely. So. Yeah. You know, there's there's three cars that you would call, I guess, the usual suspects right yeah. now. That, right. Uh, that yeah. most people can point to as being mm-hmm. modern versions of the uh, of the mus- of the pony car, rather. And that would be the Ford Mustang that you mentioned. And I think that this comes down to the uh, the line r- around, what was it, 2005 when they did the redesign with the retro look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody can remember that exactly when it came out, because mm-hmm. that was something really unusual for an automaker to do, is to revert back to a design that looks clearly out of the 1960s. And they're bringing it back yeah. in, in a modern version. And, Especially and then, with the Mustangs, because the Mustang of the pony cars, all of them, it's the only one, as I understand it, that's been in continuous production since the 60s. They at, stopped yeah. production on some of the other ones. That's right. Absolutely right, yep. because then not long after that, you know, in 2008, Dodge came out with the Challenger. Mm-hmm. That was a huge hit. Yeah. still is. Yep. Uh, and the Chevy Camaro in 2010. So they followed right along with Ford because they realized just how many of these vehicles Ford was selling. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you know what? I'm just going to do it now. I'm going to tell you my surprise right now. There's okay. a there's another car that is in kind of uh, possible contention what? for a um, – it's, it's just a rumor that's kind of going around. A contender to the throne of pony cardom? Maybe. There might, be, uh, there might be another option here that we're not thinking of. Noel, may we have a drum roll, please? If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Now, this is going to surprise you, but I'm going to say that there's a chance that the that, that Hyundai's next Genesis Coupe may be considered a pony car. Now, I know what you said about yeah, being built in the American U.S., but I'm going to show man. you two here okay. a photo of this car. Take a look at that, and uh, and you decide if you think that looks an awful lot like what we call a, a modern pony car right now. Yeah, for sure. The aesthetic yeah. design of the front of yeah, it is definitely going for it, that. It totally is. Now, listeners, if you want to look this up, I found this in an article, and this is kind of, this is, I'll, I'll let you in on what it is. It's a, it's a rendering from an artist mm-hmm. who has taken two designs and melded them together to create this vehicle. Okay. But it makes sense when I tell you why he did it. And um, the article is from a, a place called Car Scoops, and the title is Future Cars, Visually, uh, visually musing Hyundai's next Genesis coupe. And the idea might not be as crazy as you might think because, um, the, the design is based on a concept vehicle from Hyundai called the HND9 concept. And the HND9 is, uh, you know, kind of a, a far out there concept design with okay. butterfly doors and, you know, um, but it does have, uh, what may be the next, uh, the, the next engine, the next generation engine that's going to be put into the Genesis coupe. Hmm. And, so all this combined, you have to take design elements from that vehicle, mix them with the current or the uh, the proposed next Genesis Coupe, which I think is already sharp looking. It's a cool mm-hmm. car. Yeah. Um, it's very possible. I mean, this will be a uh, rear-wheel drive. Okay. V6, Check. Yeah, V6 power. Check. Okay. Two doors. Open mouth front end, as you can see from this photo. Yeah. I mean, it has the look of, um, I mean, it's getting close to what a 2015 Mustang is going to look like. Do they have an asking price for it? Uh, they do not because okay. this is a, uh, a melding of two designs. Okay. Now, the, it's still uh, purely brainstorming. Exactly right. Now, the, the, the engine that I mentioned would be a 3.3 liter turbocharged V6 and it has Ooh. 362 horsepower and an eight speed automatic transmission driving again, rear wheels. So, yeah. you know, it does have rear wheel drive. The current Genesis Coupe. Already has you know a 3.8 liter V6 that has something like 348 horsepower. Uh-huh. Now you can get a two liter engine that has like 275 or something like that, but uh, we're not talking about that one right now. Mm-hmm. These yeah. are the anyway, and you know what? Mm. If they were to make a V8 option available, this would make it like something almost exactly like what you, what we consider the yeah. definition of a pony car. I wonder right? how upgradable it would be though. Well, that's, that's the thing point. with the V8. Yeah. And I would, I wonder about, you know, the, of course it has bucket seats. It has, yeah. you know, its own, uh, center, what well, has center console, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, it has a raked windshield just like, uh, I guess the Mustang does, right? I mean, it looks very similar in design to me, like the, uh, like the 2015 Mustang. I mean, I would hazard that it would have a, a suite of packages. You would think, you know? yeah. I, I yeah. think that idea's got They're legs. They're trying to compete, yeah. Right. It, yeah. It's clearly, uh, from what, from what you're showing us, Scott, this is clearly something intended to compete in the same space. And, uh, you know, maybe the definition of pony car will change for some people. But if you guys out there listening, if you're familiar with pony car fandom at all, then you know that mm, they're not the biggest fans of change. Yeah, there's going to be some resistance to this idea. I understand that. And this is really just someone kind of floating the idea out there. So. Um, I would be surprised if they actually tried to call it a pony car, ah, but it was just go. more like mm-hmm. that they were selling a car that looked like that on the lot that was maybe a thousand or two thousand dollars okay. cheaper. <laughs> but I, but I want to, but I want to point something out. I, yeah. I'm not the, I'm not the first one to say this. Yeah. If you search for articles about the current Hyundai Genesis Coupe yeah. and, and this that I'm mentioning specifically, the words pony car oh, appear yeah? in the article. I mean, oh, it's, okay. and, and people are talking about it in the comment sections. Like, you know, if you build this with a V8, I'll take one. And, yeah. and 
you know, as far as calling it a pony car, I know there'll be resistance. I know people sure, will say, no, sure. that's an American-made yeah. car, and that's just the definition. That's the way it is. Right, yeah. It has been, you know, that way for 45 years. Well, doesn't Hyundai have uh, some factories here in the U.S.? So wouldn't that technically be an American-made car? Uh, I'm being pedantic. Yeah, I'm sorry. technically. Yeah, save, right. save it for the YouTube comments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots fired. Well, that's, that's, uh, that is fascinating because this is actually the first I have heard about this vehicle and i hope to hear more about it but while we're talking about specific vehicles one thing we also wanted to do uh was to talk about some of our favorite pony cars so christian do you have a favorite yeah absolutely um if we're talking about classics i am a fan of the 1970 dodge challenger rt 440 magnum which is the car that they used in vanishing point uh (laughs) and which is really where i kind of first started they they did a showing of Vanishing Point maybe like five or six years ago at um there's a small cinema in town called Cinefest uh-huh. and I got, and I got to see it on the big screen and mm. I was just like I want one of those big difference <laughs> yeah and then they um I don't know if you guys remember but when they came out with the Grindhouse movie uh that Quentin Tarantino and uh, oh yeah, yeah Rodriguez did together they used that same car in Tarantino's Death Proof mm-hmm. uh basically calling it out saying like in within the plot of the movie saying that these were stunt drivers and they loved that car from Vanishing Point and they wanted to get a hold of one of those and do some stunts with it. Oh, no kidding. And so that's like the, yeah, the center of the plot is them trying to find a 1970, a white 1970 <laughs> uh, Dodge Challenger yeah. to do these tricks with What it. did Stuntman Mike end up driving? What was that, a Nova? What was that? Oh, I can't remember what he had. I can't yeah. remember either, but uh, what a cool what a cool movie. Yeah. What a cool uh, yeah. car. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay, so that's your favorite. Yeah, I like that one. All right, all right. I, I haven't have, uh... driven it yet though, but I'm sure I'm sure it would be beautiful. <laughs> what what about you, Scott? I'm gonna go with uh with the Mustang that was used in the uh in the film Bullet. I think uh that's probably my favorite design. The fastback. Yeah, the Steve McQueen fastback. Uh, just an amazing chase scene. Uh I don't know if really anything compares for me, anyways, as far as a classic design goes. Ben, what's your favorite? You know, I am going to, for entirely shallow reasons, uh, go with the 1982 Pontiac Trans Am Firebird. Ooh. An 82. Because it's kit, you it's guys. Kit. Yeah. It's really? Knight Rider. Oh, that's right. So okay. that was, I, I did want to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> so it is technically a pony car, but what we generally understand for classic pony cars right. is that like production basically like waned around like 71, I want to mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. And then they did keep making cars that fit the bill. But mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier, Mustang was the only one that was in continuous production. But yeah, mm-hmm. Kit. Yeah. Other than, you know, having a, a, an AI robot inside of it. I'll admit that's part of the selling it, point when it, I'm thinking it, of favorites. <laughs> but, but we should also... as a pony car. Yeah, well, very technically. And, and you raised a really interesting point here because uh, for people wondering about the phrase trans am i think a lot of people may not know that that started out as a series first right a race sure yeah, that's just a uh, competition between manufacturers and the, the trans am series right i mean that yeah. was uh, a series that was popular in the late 60s early 1970s and mm. they even called it what they had the, they had a term for it uh during that time they called it the pony car wars right oh, really? uh, between yeah. certain years because that was really all that was competing were just pony cars on the track and how cool would that have been to see right. um you know Pony cars battling it out on on road tracks mm-hmm. all over the U.S. because this series went everywhere. And yeah, yeah this is not an advertisement, but there's a book that I want to give a, a shout out to that I think listeners might enjoy. If you guys want to learn more about this, there's a book by a guy called Dave 
Friedman. He's called Dave Friedman probably because that's his name. Okay, it's uh, not because he's a Friedman. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, spot on. Uh, the, the title is Trans Am, The Pony Car Wars, uh, 1966 to 1971. So this is a look at how these, uh, how these manufacturers started really butting heads in this and how Trans Am became in some ways a proving ground for these vehicles. Uh, that competition hasn't waned because they're still competing on the track. As right. Far as, and you mentioned this to me earlier on, the NASCAR Nationwide Series, right? Yeah, which they, the, apparently this series is uh, also called the Cars of Tomorrow, which I think is funny because most of them are pony car remodels. <laughs> that is a, well, the, the Car of Tomorrow was a design change for NASCAR. They, oh, uh, right. they, they yeah, updated okay. the, the vehicle design to be safer and to have uh, greater aerodynamics and, uh, you know, different ways for NASCAR to measure things gotcha. in order they to. They were more like safety regulations. Correct. Exactly yeah. right. So the car of tomorrow is, is more of a design, I think, than anything yeah. else. Uh, but, the, but there are pony cars that compete in the nationwide series, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have Dodge Challengers. Uh, it started in 2010. Mm-hmm. The Mustang was in 2010. Mm-hmm. The Pontiac GTO in 2008. I don't think I've seen one of those you know what i okay here's i was working at uh um, general motors for about a year doing um technical writing Uh uh-huh and this is when the uh the gto hit okay and it was the you know like the rebirth of the gto from way back you know in in the 60s and 70s and um when it came out i mean i'll tell you like personally i didn't like it at all yeah i mean i really didn't the uh, they had a really cool looking concept vehicle had a coke bottle design it was really interesting to look at Mm. you know it made the uh the auto show circuit and you get up close and personal and look at it and looked really interesting. But then when the concert or when the, uh, the production model came out, um, it was this very smooth, uh, it's a big two door V8 power, very strong. Mm. Uh, but I think it only had something like 350 horsepower. Um, at the time, that was pretty strong, I guess, for sure. back then, you yeah. know, 2008. Things have really upped recently. And then they started coming out with, you know, the 400 horsepower version and they started upping it. But, yeah. um, it, I'll tell you that to me personally, the body style of the GTO was kind of a letdown when I saw it. And it, did it meet like what we would think of as, as qualifications for a pony car? Yeah, it did. Um, yeah, it did. Okay. It really did. I mean, and they're, they're correct in calling it that, but, uh, it's kind of like the forgotten one, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're definitely not building the Pontiac GTO anymore. Um, but, you know, it debuted in the series in 2008 and that was, uh, that was after, it had already debuted uh, in showrooms. I mean, I think it had been around since, what, 2003, maybe? Is that right? Somewhere around there? Mm, I'd say, yeah, 2003, and, 2004. And you'll still see them on the road occasionally. And they are very strong, and they they just don't have the, um, I guess, the sex appeal, I guess you'd say, of yeah. of the cha- the the, uh, the Challenger, the Mustang, mm. and the Camaro. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. the the trinity of the pony cars. It's funny because I was, I was checking out some... Some ratings, and I, I think it was, I think it was Motor Trends. It may have been, uh, yeah, it was Motor Trend. They had a few of their riders, they had six of their riders rate all muscle cars and give their, their top, uh, you know, their top marks. And, uh, when they, when they were rating it, I mean, surprise, everybody can guess number one, it's the Mustang GT. Yeah. Uh, across the board, uh, no exceptions. And then it's between the Challenger and the Genesis. For number two spot, huh. really isn't that weird? So there you go, the Hyundai yeah, Genesis scope yeah. again. So they're counting it. You know, can I just say one quick thing? I wonder if uh, yeah. I'm sorry, am I interrupting? No, 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 no. I wonder if Pontiac was still around, if they would still be building the GTO, and if they would have gone back to the throwback design like like right. Ford did and like Chrysler. Ultimately, did. they would have. Yeah, I think that they might have. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll never know. It's one of those things that uh, is just it's gone. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. 
someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, you guys, we missed a we missed a big part that we have to tell listeners about. So, um, Christian, you you had earlier said, you know, we were talking about the classic period, right? Right. And yeah. how while my choice of the 1982 uh, car is uh, of Kit really is. Uh, is technically correct, but not in that golden era, because something happened to cause the the wane of that golden era, right? And, yeah, they they yeah. really started to lose their appeal after a while. I mean, there were other cars like the Pontiac Firebird, the AMC Javelin, the mm-hmm. which I like those AMC Javelins the way they look; they're kind of cool too. But right. uh, and the Plymouth Barracuda, those were all like kind of the lower, like, I guess, second tier pony mm-hmm. cars that were mm-hmm. coming out. But then, yeah, by seventy one. Um, Economy imports and the industry was really focusing on making smaller cars, like the ones that we joke about nowadays, like an AMC Gremlin or a right, Ford yeah, yeah. or whatever. Well, there were cricket. Yeah. Well, there were gas concerns. The the <laughs> right. cost of gasoline was becoming a major factor for yeah. a lot of people. That's but true. Those kind of put pony cars out of business. But for you know, a while. but you know what thing that one thing that uh, these these were providing a greater value to the manufacturers than they knew at the time, I think, because yeah. what these had done since, you know, from 1964 all the way through, 
uh, 19, what do you say, 1972, somewhere in there, 71? Yeah, 71, 72, yeah. Mm-hmm. What they were doing was they were building brand loyalty with their customers because customers love these things and they love to, uh, you know, kind of puff out their chest and, and say, you know, my Ford can beat your Chevy, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this is kind of interesting. In 1970, Car and Driver did this report that said, well, very few pony car drivers would buy a second pony car, which is kind of strange. You interesting. Know, they, yeah. They, it did, however, um, prompt them, you know, 50% of them any, anyway, to purchase another model from the same manufacturer. So they may have yeah. stepped up. You know, they may have decided mm. that, you know, I really like this pony car. It had a lot of options and everything, but I'm going to go one level higher next time. I'm do not going to get another. Life. Yeah, doing a little better. That's exactly <laughs> right, right. You know, right. I think the economy was, well, I'm not going to comment on the economy, but, um, <laughs> you know, the idea was that I, I'm, I'm growing up. I'm going to get something sure, a little yeah. different, maybe yeah. a luxury car from the same manufacturer. And it prompted half of the, the owners of pony cars to do that. That's interesting, especially when I think about, I wonder what happened. I mean, we know, the, but they're for mm-hmm. sale. But, like, if we're talking about a million Ford Mustangs that were made in the first 18 months. That's a lot of 64 Mustangs that are out there. That's and true. think about this. How many of those, you know, people that bought that original Mustang in 2005 got very excited right. and said, I'm going to buy another one of those because yeah. this is my childhood. Hundreds yeah, of thousands. Exactly. You know, I mean, not yeah. my childhood, I guess my, uh, my formative years, you know, mm-hmm. this is, this is the car that I had in high school. I'm going to get it now that I'm nearly retired. Mm, drive it off on my last day of work. Brand loyalty for Mustang goes for. Ooh. Oh, there are a lot of factors at play. I would yeah. say number one being mileage. Yeah. Um, yeah. but if it's more than $2,500. Yeah. Yeah. More than, more than 2015. Yeah. Gonna go ahead and say, guys, if you have a drivable 1964 Mustang, uh, that you had paid for that you got from someone in your family, keep it, hold on to it and take care of it. And the thing or is, you could give it to me. Yeah. You know, or you could give it to Christian. We uh, see them all the will, time. You'll let me borrow it. Yeah. That's the thing. And so I wanted to ask you guys about this. Yeah. Atlanta, where we live and mm-hmm. where we work, seems to me to be a pony car hub. In a way, because yeah. like, I'm from New England originally, and uh-huh. I I didn't really see Mustangs and Challengers as much as I see since I've been living here. They're everywhere. And I just realized the other day that right around the block from my house is a Mustang exclusive vintage garage shop. Yep. So yep. so that explains part of it for me, at least. Sure, the traffic. But yeah, so yeah. I'm seeing like all these cool... You know, older Mustang. You need but to take on the interstate too. You need to take a trip to Detroit, my friend, because oh, yeah. uh, you wouldn't believe the amount of cars up there. I mean, right here around this area, I seem to see more, um, more. Um, we see a lot I, of luxury cars up here, foreign makes, exotics, okay. things like that yeah, around here, compared to up there where it's all American. Yeah. Typically, uh, you know, it's like the opposite of what's down here. You know, every for every foreign make we see on the road here, it would yeah. be an American make up there. Oh, okay. And right, okay. I mean, rightfully so. That's the mm-hmm. people that are building them, right? But right or, or creating them. But um, I would have to believe that now the, the roads must be just jammed with pony cars now because yeah. of, you know, these specifically these three models that are available. People love them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so what you're saying is that if I'm in the market to get one of these, I go should on. go to Michigan. Possibly. Yeah. Because there may be a flood, you know, flooded yeah. market. There. There's yeah. a glut. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? Maybe maybe this is a good time to talk about this because you have driven one, right? Ah, uh, yes. You've driven a pony car and yeah. it made a big impression on you. It did. Yeah. So. So, uh, like I said earlier, like I got kind of fascinated with these cars from Vanishing Point and then Bullet and then the, the other big one. So we'll talk about this. The French Connection, I don't know if that counts as a pony car, mm. but Ooh. anyways, the French Connection is still an awesome car chase, 1970s movie. <laughs> right. So, uh, a couple of years ago, my sister got married about an hour west of Dallas, Texas. It was really in the middle of nowhere. 
And I said to my wife, let's, uh, let's, let's make some fun out of this. And we rented a Ford Mustang. It was like a 2011 red with white racing stripes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> so I showed up blazing my sister's <laughs> wedding in this <laughs> Mustang. And it was, uh, her wedding was at this like, uh, like reserve sort of that was, um, a lot of like dirt and tumbleweeds, kind of what you would think of like, you know, flatlands, Texas. Mm-hmm. And man, it was so much fun just driving that thing around on flat dirt roads and kicking up dust everywhere. Hey, yeah. And this prompted a conversation between you and I that yeah. I've mentioned on this podcast before. Oh, right? really? Yeah. As soon true. as you said it, I was actually pretty excited about the idea. Um, that you said, you know, I really enjoyed driving that, uh, that Mustang. You weren't sure if you'd buy one. Uh, maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. If I, I wasn't married, I'd probably buy one. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. And you mentioned that yeah. and then you said, well, I wonder what it's like to drive the other pony cars that are out there, like the Challenger yeah. or the Camaro. Right. And I said, you know what? You rented the Mustang. If you really wanted to, you could rent the Challenger. You could rent the, mm-hmm. the Camaro and drive them for a day, even locally, even if you're not on a trip somewhere. Yeah. Just go locally, rent one, try it out. And it's, uh, maybe, you know, it, well, it's a lot less pressure than going to a dealership. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. having them let you test drive it for 15 minutes or whatever they do, uh, or even a day, I guess. But still, it's less pressure because when you return it, they don't really care. They just want, you know, the keys back. That's all. Yeah. But like you said, the problem with Atlanta is that you got to keep it in second gear the whole time. You would have to, you have to rent, uh, in northern Georgia and then yeah. take, take it up into the hills and really yeah, have fun. Yeah. That would be great. It would yeah. be a lot of fun. But I thought that was a fantastic idea that you had. Yeah. Um, so I pitched that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next time we went to go rent a car, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, uh, my wife, first of all, she didn't like the handle of the Mustang herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she, she respects the idea that I'm into these cars and everything mm-hmm. and that I'm having a midlife crisis, but, uh, <laughs> she, she, she's more practical. And so, uh, yeah, we, we actually, we actually bought a new car a couple months ago and we ended up going with a 2011, uh, Toyota RAV4, which is a very nice practical car, mm-hmm. but I was like, "Hey, look, there's uh, there's some Dodge Challengers over there for the oh, same price. Yeah, they have a back seat." So. Yeah. I was getting this picture. Remember uh, Walter White in Breaking Bad when he showed yeah. up? He yeah, would, he would show up in those Challengers, just kind of like it. I, I don't know. It was it wasn't uh, you know like indiscriminately or anything. Anything. It was like when he was feeling really like uh, all puffed up and full. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, yeah. like a uh, like a This I don't well, think this is too much of a Breaking Bad spoiler, but there's a scene I think where he just like splurges, buys a red Dodge Challenger, and then like spins it out and sets it on fire. He right? blows yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then it, didn't he? But he bought one for his son, right? right? Yeah, which was yeah. then returned. Yeah. And, and it was then, so. And then later cool. he bought one for his son, and he had one. Yeah. yeah. So it, it re re. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Reoccurs throughout the series. Yeah, it's a recurring yeah. theme. Yeah. Uh, uh, we should point out uh, for anyone who hasn't seen Breaking Bad, I'm just going to go ahead and give the easiest spoiler here. He starts, you guys remember what he starts the story with, right? An Aztec, I think? Yeah. That's, <laughs> so that's, yeah. He, he drives an Aztec for a long time in yeah, the series. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I am also, I, I kind of like Aztecs. I know a lot of people don't. Whoa. And that's one of those, like, like I'll see him on the road and I'm like, oh, it's oh, Walter White's that is car. A <laughs> yeah. Controversial thing to say on yeah. this show. Yeah, I bet you know, it is. You know, okay, while well, we're talking about these, I need to just throw this out there. So yeah, we yeah, throw forget. it out. We should do the cars of Breaking Bad. Oh, that, oh, that'd be cool. That should yeah. be an episode because yeah, uh, there's cool. there's several in there. I mean, there's some mm-hmm. piles yeah. of crap, but there's also some fantastic cars. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, and no spoilers here, but I think the car in the very last scene uh-huh. with Jesse. Uh-huh. I, th- I think that that might be a cool car too. I can't oh, the remember. El Camino that he drove away. Is that in? an El Camino? Also, okay. oh boy, I'm blowing everything. Yeah. Right? That's a, <laughs> yeah. So I hope people have watched it. It's, it's long off the air anyway. Yeah, but, sure. uh, also the uh, the Cadillac where the gun was mounted. Yeah, 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 yeah. that was. Oh yeah. man, now we're now we're turning it into a little bit of Breaking Bad podcast. That's a great idea, though. 
Okay, and Ben, yes, do you Scott. have any experience with pony cars? Have any of your friends had one? Have you owned one? I know your family owned a lot of cars. Well, yeah. So when when I was uh, in when I was just getting out of high school a few years back, um, one of my old high school buddies, his uh, <clears throat> I say this without a trace of bitterness. If you're listening, Matthew. <laughs> You were very lucky because your parents bought you a car like every year. Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. he was one of those guys, and uh, I think we all know someone like yeah. That. And he got this Mustang, and uh, he didn't tell me or my best friend at the time. Instead, he says, "Hey, you guys, uh, where are you hanging out?" And we were at my house at the time, and he says, "Okay, cool, I'll be there in a second. And then we hear this thing that you know. Pardon my French, Noel. I hope I can say this on the air. It's like a bat out of hell just screaming up our street. And there's a very long street in the subdivision. And then, and this was totally unnecessary, he does like the handbrake. Yeah. To get, like, to stop. <laughs> is there, is there any other way, Ben? Right. <laughs> we're, we're standing in the yard. You guys sitting in lawn chairs. That's awesome. We weren't, we were doing nothing with our lives that afternoon. And so it was so, it was so, um, I honestly, I was so impressed when, when he did that he squealed out and he popped the handbrake and he just looked at us and he bought some aviators by the way cool and he said get in (laughs) (laughs) we like jumped in and then we i I wish we did something epic but we went to the mall this is like a scene out of a movie yeah it's really cool to go like jump a bridge yeah that's i know i felt i felt unprepared (laughs) i was also wearing flip-flops this was not (laughs) this is not a shining ben bolin moment for sure but uh but we got to uh you know of course since we're friends, we, we got to drive it. Uh, and I was, I was impressed because, you know, the kind of cars that I've been driving for a long time are more land yachts. So they don't have that kind of mm-hmm. pickup. And, uh, it's, it's a mean machine on the road. And you know what I noticed too is, yeah, of course it, like, it's very fast and, yeah. and feels, it, you know, it feels thunderous as mm-hmm. you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> but. I, there was a lot of control to the Mustang that I drove too. I felt mm-hmm. like it was very controllable. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. even more so maybe than my RAV4 that I have now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've never, I've never driven a RAV4, so I can't speak to it. Although the one thing that creeps me out about those things is you and I were talking about this off air when we were doing our brain stuff. Yeah, uh, shoot, they're kind of bigger on the inside than yeah. they should be. They're like a weird TARDIS thing. Like you get inside and you're like. Wait a minute, like, where did all this extra room come from? Uh-huh. Like, I could move into it. I, I swear <laughs> there, I swear there wasn't a bedroom and a living room when right. I bought this. I, my wife's Honda Element is the exact same way. Oh, you get inside, yeah. it's like you're in a school bus suddenly. It's strange. <laughs> you've got, you've got two feet of headroom, which is weird. Yeah. Right? You yeah. Get after driving a Honda Civic for the last, uh, like seven years, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Having that much headroom is a big deal. All right. I'm uncomfortable mentioning, uh, you know, Honda Elements and RAV4s in a pony car podcast. Yeah, that's so true. T- so Scott, come on. You've, you must have driven a pony car. I have, before. I, I owned, that was my first car. Was really? a, uh, uh mm-hmm. but it, but here's the technicality. Mine had the 400 engine, which is the 6.6 liter, as uh-huh. a big block, and that officially, as I found out from uh, this chart that I just looked at, car, huh? it just pushed it into the muscle car. If I had okay. the 350 version yeah. or the lesser V8 of the ordinary V8, I guess, mm-hmm. um, it would be a pony car. Yes, okay. It was okay. a 78 Trans Am, and uh, you know all those uh, vehicles, the uh, the Firebird Trans Am sure, series, yeah. all those were were pony cars. Mm-hmm. Um, the first car that I ever, I, I guess 
was in that went over a hundred that I remember um, <laughs> was my uncle's. We were going fishing somewhere in Indiana, you know, like back roads, mm-hmm. country roads, and it was in a uh, first gen uh, Barracuda, Plymouth Barracuda. Oh, cool. nice. You know that uh, that long back window. Yeah. Uh, beautiful design. I like the first gen and I like the third gen of the Barracuda. I'm not mm-hmm. crazy about that second generation, but um, that's probably my first pony car experience was in that one because I was okay. young, you know, at, at the time. I was visiting in Indiana. We decided to go fishing on a weekend. Uh, but as far as um, like owning one of these things again, mm. if I were to buy one, mm. I think I might. I mean, I really do like that first gen Camaro, um, the Trans Am Firebird. You know that that yeah, whole line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really, really like that a lot. They only built it for a couple of years, from '67 to '69. But uh, the, the design, to me, is one of the, the most classic pony car designs. Mm. I know that you know the Mustang was the original, but, yeah, uh, but... I'm more of a Camaro fan, I guess. Yeah, the, well, and the Camaros. I mean, I don't have any numbers to back this up, but mm-hmm. I feel like the new Camaros are maybe the, the more successful of the pony cars now. And I'll tell you, between the modern ones, I mm-hmm. think, you know, the three that we consider the modern pony cars. Sure. I think that my favorite design is the, the Chevy Camaro SS mm-hmm. or the, you know, the, uh, oh, what am I thinking of? The ZL1 version of the whole oh, thing. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. But, but I got to give it to the Mustang for the sound. When okay. I hear, when I hear yeah. a, a new Mustang, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. I don't know what engine... Uh, exhaust combination it is, but man, do they sound good. And you can tell it's a Mustang if you listen. You, you really can. I mean, it's which very is, distinct. Which is so weird. car stuff listeners are probably already familiar with this, but I actually had to go look this up. I was like, what's it, what's GT stand for? What's SS stand mm-hmm. for? And what's RT stand for? So you guys probably know this. GT's Gran Turismo, mm-hmm. Gran Touring. Uh, the, the Challenger RT is road slash track, not road and track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the SS is the super sport. Yeah. Super sport. yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's but the that's not just for, for Camaros. It's all Chevys. They had Impala SS. Oh, yeah. Well, they, right? sure, sure. Yeah. They had, uh, well, they had, yeah, Impalas and they even had some, uh, some pickup trucks, I think, that used the SS for oh, really? a while. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they, they used it when they, uh, they put that 454 engine that they had for a long time. Okay. It would be called the SS version of whatever it was. And it wasn't just that one. But uh, SS showed up in a lot of places, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I have to ask you guys a question. So we have we have talked about the origin of pony cars, the genesis of pony cars, and we've talked a little bit about pony cars in the modern day, including some foreign competitors. Uh, but my question now is, what do you guys think is the future of pony cars? Do you think we'll see a continued growth? Do we are we going to see another pattern of um, you know, for lack of a better word, gritty reboots or, uh, because they just started, you know, returning to some of those original inspirations. So I'm interested right. to see what you guys think. Pony cars, 20 years. Give me your best bets. I mean, just from my experience in Atlanta and like I was saying earlier, like seeing so many of them, I think that they're at a height of popularity again. I'd be surprised if Challenger or, uh, the Mustang obviously probably won't go out of production, but I'd be surprised if the Challenger or the Camaro went out of production in the next 10 years. Oh, I think they're going to hang around as well. But yeah. um, I, I just wish that, like, I wish Plymouth were around to come out with a, a new Barracuda. Sure. I wish that Pontiac was still around yeah. to come out with, you know, a new GTO. I just I just wish that there was, you know, more possibility for this. Because the cars that owns the rights to those uh, names slash designs. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they, you know, it's still out. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work yeah. because uh, the, the division is just gone. Right. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. not producing anything, but I wonder if they could rebirth those things. Yeah. I don't know. But what about companies like AMC that had, you know, right. the, the Javelin, Javelin that you mentioned? Ooh. I had a friend in high school that had a Javelin. It was a yeah. great looking car. Yeah. 
But mm-hmm. can you imagine a modern version of that? That'd be really cool. Yeah, it would be. But yeah. it's impossible but because AMC's <laughs> long gone. I mean, it's it, it's just not possible. So I wish that there was more room for competition with mm-hmm. uh, with other manufacturers in the game other well, than just these three. Well, we'll see that in the future clearly, but they may not be American companies. That's true. Which goes into right. you know the rise of the the rise of the new manufacturing bases is something that we have touched on in other podcasts, right? It's like a Transformers movie title when you get the, the Hyundai Genesis in there. <laughs> it's the true. rise I, of the Genesis. You see, I, <laughs> I, I still think it's just going to be too controversial for people to yeah. actually call a foreign-made vehicle, uh, foreign to the United States, I should say, uh-huh. to call that um, a pony car. Because you might I think it's so really well in foreign markets. I, so, I yep. bet they, well, I bet they will, but, yeah. but they're not going to call them pony cars in yeah. uh, in Europe. Yeah, that's I don't true. think that they will. Mm. I don't know if they even call, you know, the cars that we import over there pony cars or not. So this actually, uh, I was telling you guys a little bit about this off air. I assumed, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of watching like shows like Top Gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assumed those guys must have at some point done like a pony car race on their show. And when I looked it up, all I could find was that there was an, I didn't know this. There's an American version of Top Gear. Yep. I don't have cable. Sorry, guys. And, uh, <laughs> and then that the, the, in the American version, they did do a pony car race where they raced classic versions of the Challenger, Mustang, and Camaro, and then they stopped, got out, and jumped in the modern versions and then raced those down to the end of the track. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, it was fun, and they did it in the basin of the L.A. River, you know, uh, that kind of classic, uh, like, uh, they, there's a scene in Drive, actually, where Ryan Gosling's driving a Mustang through there, I, I think. I think there's yeah. a few movies shot there, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and you can picture it probably, that great big wide basin that has the... Uh, Sloped concrete walls, right. yeah, 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 for all the runoff water, right? Yep, yeah, yeah. Okay. And even like in the in this video, you can find it on YouTube pretty easily. There was still water in there; it hadn't fully drained yeah. out, so they had to like be careful as they're racing around to not like fly into the water. Mm-hmm. Probably all mossy and and <laughs> yeah. slick. Yeah, that's cool. I, I'm going to take a look at that one. And in that here. race, which was by no means uh, <laughs> like refereed in any way, <laughs> the Camaro came out ahead. Really? Yeah. The thing was, was the the classic, when you watch it, the classic Challenger has a ton of power comparatively in it, and it got way ahead, but uh-huh. the brakes weren't as good. So the guy in the Challenger had to brake, like, super early, so he mm. didn't hit the new Challenger, oh. and then they jump in, and the new Camaro just blew him away. I see. Yeah. Huh. You know what? Maybe we can talk with the powers that be over here at How Stuff Works and see if we can negotiate a, a car race. You know what? There's three of us. Yeah. yeah. There's the Camaro, the Challenger, the Mustang. We can do the 285 loop. Just fly around it. <laughs> yeah. Why not? This is a fantastic idea. I think it has legs. We this should do is this. literally the yeah. best idea we've ever it, had. It maybe is. I mean, this would be fantastic. <laughs> so, and we're always trying to do new videos, right? Ford, Chevrolet, Dodge, if you're out there and you're listening. Yeah. yeah that's right. I'll, I'll take a Challenger. Hey, Noel, would you be down with the Hyundai? Okay, I've got a, a on a one to ten. He looked like that was a pretty pretty solid four point five. No, I was gonna say that's a three point oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, listeners, we hope that you guys have enjoyed checking out our Pony Car podcast as much as we enjoyed making it. Though that's a uh, that's a tall order for sure. Uh, Christian, thank you so much for coming on our show. Uh, we hope to have you back. And in the meantime, where can people find more of your work here at House of Works? Well, uh, you can find me on BrainStuff, which is uh, brainstuffshow.com. That's where our site hosts all of our blogs and videos. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of our older material that I've done is on the Stuff of Genius site. 
But the newest stuff that we're working on, Ben and I are working on together, actually, is on the How Stuff Works channel on YouTube. You'll be able to find a lot of content that we've created there. Yeah, and uh, let's also keep in mind that if you are a fan of some of our other podcasts, uh, Tech Stuff, for instance, they yep. can also find some episodes uh, that you've hosted, Christian, and that I think you've hosted an episode, Scott. I have. Yeah, and uh, me as well. So... Listeners, maybe at this point your question is, these guys said something about pony cars that just got stuck in my craw and someone needs to know, how do I talk to these jabronis? Well, the answer is simple. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter where we are Car Stuff HSW. You can check out one of our more than 600 podcasts on our website, carstuffshow.com. And if you want to send us a letter with a suggestion for a future topic or uh, just some feedback or just some pictures of a cool car, we don't even care if you own it, honestly. I mean, don't steal it. Don't steal a car and take a picture of it. That's illegal. I'm making this too long. Well, and, and stupid. And stupid. No, and not that you're making it stupid. I mean, that would be stupid to take <laughs> a picture as long as you're of stolen in seconds. Yeah. There, we, there we go. Very clever. Uh, so tell us all about it. Uh, you can email us directly. Our address is? Carstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.